Hello, I'm Joel Nelson, and this is the Joel vs. Arthritis podcast. Hello, and welcome to this very special edition of the Joel vs. Arthritis podcast. Um, and it's one that we're doing a little bit differently. So this is for World Arthritis Day. It was all recorded exclusively on World Arthritis Day, which I appreciate was a week or two ago now. Um, it's taken longer to piece together than, than I anticipated, but essentially it's 24 hours in the life of somebody managing arthritis, and, and that person is me. Um, so it's a bit different from our usual interview format. If it's something you enjoy, please let us know, and, and we can we can do more like this, or we can get other people to do their 24 hours um, sort of in a life of um, and yeah and and secondly apologies it's taken a little while for this this new episode to come it was probably the summer when the last new episode came out I took a bit of a break I've had lots going on um, for anyone who's following my social media or um, website will know about this but essentially um, everything from taking on new roles for IFPA um, the International Federation of Psoriasis Associations, as an international ambassador for those. I've joined um, NRAS on their Room for Inclusion Advisory Board. Uh, I've won a WeGo Award, which I'm exceptionally proud of, um, for my Facebook page and work over on Facebook. Um, so yeah, lots going on, um, including... Um, a brand new project which I will tell you about more at the end of this podcast um, so thank you for your patience over the last couple of months um, in the absence of any new episodes we're back up and running now and I hope you enjoy this one not so it's a little bit different so it is only me you have to listen to I'm afraid um, but hopefully some insight there and and you know see if it's similar to your experience with arthritis or you know, perhaps you've got a loved one that maybe doesn't fully understand what we go through over the course of a day, um, and it might be beneficial for them to give it a listen. Um, either way, yeah, let me know on social media if 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 it works for you or if it's something that that there was value, and I'll look to do more of this. So, um, it's great to be back, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, so the time is thirty-seven minutes past midnight. On the 12th of October, it's now officially World Arthritis Day, um, and I'll probably put an intro in here because I don't think a podcast episode starting with me whispering is a, the best way to kick off a show, um, but essentially um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do for this day, and then it just... Um, came to me that I could do like a 24 hours in the life of somebody with arthritis so um, since my angelic little boy decided to wake up before I'd even had a chance to fall asleep it now seemed like a good time to um, to do my first recording so how this is going to play out I will record various voice notes through the day with date stamps and then I will put them all together into a podcast episode and hopefully that's that's interesting to people so this first segment is going to be about sleep <laughs> um, with a little bit of parenting but hopefully there will be more time for parenting later if you hear any background noises that's just Dylan guzzling 
his second bottle of milk for the night. So, um, yeah. So, I don't sleep great, as many of us don't, with chronic pain or arthritis. Um, and what I found particularly challenging since becoming a parent is that um, toddlers have a habit of waking up in the night right when you're starting to get to a point where you might be able to fall asleep. Um, so that sort of window between about sort of one and three o'clock in the morning, um, that's when Dylan tends to make a reappearance. Um, but for a bit of context, he's, he's, um, got a sort of medical issue going on the last, um, few months, um, that's been affecting his breathing at night. Um, so it's not fun. He wakes up crying and, and because I'm fly for the week at the moment, asking for daddy, and then my guilt kicks in, and so I offer to go in, and yeah, we see a lot of each other at this time of night. So yeah, sleep. Um, a conversation I had on um, uh, my private Facebook support group the other day made me think that it's probably worth sharing a couple of tips that I've learned, and a lot of these um, are not my own ideas. I got them from pain management therapy. Um, so about creating a good environment for sleep, so I, I can't remove my pain, I can obviously do things to try and help, um, the stars align for when I want to go to sleep, so things like um, make sure my pain meds kick in at the right time, stopping things like tea and coffee, you know, before it's too late in the day, um, but some other sort of useful tips I learned was like making sure like your bedroom is decluttered and that it's like a sleep space. I know that sounds really obvious, but um, for anyone that's been in that position where pain keeps you awake, I'm sure you all can relate to, you know, it starts off as a pain issue, um, but a few minutes in, your mind starts to wander and give it an hour of laying there in the darkness and before you know it, you're worrying about the bills or what you're going to buy somebody for Christmas or work the next day or that email you never got back to and it, it, it just spirals um and what i found is if if you walk into your bedroom and you know washing hasn't been put away or um you know there's some if you're like me and you keep your paperwork under the bed you know there's paperwork on the end of the bed and maybe you haven't put that in its folders or whatever silly little stuff like that but they, they can all be triggers for then when later on your pain keeps you awake and it just fuels that worry anxiety cycle that then keeps you up on top of your pain so that's one tip um the other one i'd say like around naps uh, one thing i've learned is like people say i oh, don't nap during the day sometimes you have to we've got chronic illness we're tired we're fatigued we're in pain our body's in overdrive sometimes with an autoimmune response you know that's that's inevitable but what i'd say is maybe no more naps before like half four five o'clock in the evening and and even then keep them to 20, 30 minutes max. Um, I can feel that difference. If I go over that, I feel worse for it. Um, and I know everyone's different. Um, so that's that one. Um, so yeah, that's probably enough for the first voice note, because there's going to be lots of these hopefully through the day. Some of this is going to be rambling gibberish, especially in the early hours. Um, but hopefully every now and then you'll get a little nugget um, of information that might help, or at the very least... You can listen to this knowing that you are not the only one up at one o'clock in the morning. Um, all right, on this occasion it's because of my son, but I was already awake because of um, discomfort. So um, yeah, at the very least, listening to my monotonous whispering at one o'clock in the morning might help you get to sleep. So 
I'm checking out for now and I will be back for another update soon. Hello, so it's now gone two o'clock in the morning and I have swapped the pitch black nursery for the bedroom um, my wife has taken over um, and and yeah we're two hours into this 24 hour podcast and we have our first sign of how arthritis affects more than just the person in pain um, because you know my wife's aware that I haven't been to sleep yet um, so when there was sort of a natural break um, Dylan's okay he's clearly got some sort of lurgy so um, he's now had a paracetamol but when you get sort of an opportunity to swap she swaps in, but she, you know, she's just done a 12 and a half hour work day on a busy ward. Um, and I'm laying here worrying about him, worrying about her. And, and obviously by the time I get to sleep, um, it's going to be quite late. And I've, I'm aware that I need to be alert and awake in the morning so that I can take over and hopefully give her a bit of a, well, laying's are non-existent with kids, but you know, so that she isn't straight away coming out of that room at three four in the morning going back in again at seven um so yeah so it's taken less than two hours for us to get our first example of how arthritis is um more than just a patient um and it's something you see me write and talk about a lot I, I wish medical professionals would consider that more because Tomorrow the whole house, household is going to be exhausted. I'm going to be exhausted because of I'm up most nights. Um, but my wife's going to be exhausted because um, you know Dylan was up. He's going to be tired, and then, yeah, it just makes it for a really you know difficult situation. Um, and anyone listening to this that's got arthritis, I'm sure will be feeling the same as me at some point, where that feeling of guilt, that burden. Um, that you're awake, but even though you're awake, you can't help because there's only so many times you can wrestle a toddler, lift him in and out, go up and down the stairs, getting a bottle and cow pollen. And, yeah, so you feel thoroughly useless because you were the one person in the house that was awake. Um, but you still can't fulfil everything because at some point you have to rest, otherwise you know the next day is going to be a write-off. So, um, so yeah. So... Hopefully this is the last time you hear from me before the morning, but um, but we shall see. Speak soon. Bye. Good morning. It's seven o'clock. Dylan went to sleep sometime after three. Um, I just got woke up by the bin lorry, which I'd forgot to put the bins out of everything going on yesterday. So um, so that was an embarrassing start to the day, chasing them down the road with a bin. Um. So, yeah, this is um, a good example of how my, my condition affects everyone, because although like Dylan was the ill one last night, um, yeah, my wife slept on the sofa by the time he finally got to sleep, um, just so not to disturb me, so like, you know, even though I'm waking up tired, she's going to be waking up even more so. Um, just doing my daily check-in is something I've always done that sort of like you swing your legs out of the bed and sit on the edge of the bed and just notice what hurts what what 
what's new, what hurt yesterday, doesn't today, that sort of thing. I think it's important um, not to sort of obsess or be too aware of like the pain or anything, but just to um, so you've you've got that internal track and of okay, is this getting better? Is this getting worse? That sort of thing. Um, so for me, in my current situation, as my feet are quite sore, my heels, um, I've got um, Palmer plantar pustulosis on on one of my feet as well which for anyone that's experienced that with psoriasis it's yeah it's it's, it's like walking on bubble wrap except those bubble wraps are blisters and that's not nice um and then eventually they pop and your skin peels and then it starts all over again and that just cycle just keeps going and going and that's not fun um and my neck is sore um, and my fingers and hands have been sore for weeks, but I know that's because I'm trying to do more with them. I'm starting to play guitar again and this sort of thing. Um, knees feel good. Um, hips feel good. So, um, so yeah. Um, one of the things I'm doing throughout these recordings, I've been asking online for people to submit any questions. Um, I thought I'd answer them as I go along, just to break it up a little bit, so it isn't just me talking about my day. Um, and one question that came in, which I thought was a really valid one from um, Shelley Fritz, is um, how would you gauge the level of progress the arthritis community as a whole has made in helping people to understand that there are many different forms of arthritis and that they're not all the same? I think that's a really valid point. Um, and I think there's there's two parts to, the, to my answer on this. Um, I think the first bit is to note that we're probably only preaching to the choir at the moment a little bit. Um, so every single week I still get messages from people within the community that either assume I have RA or assume I have OA, um, which is really frustrating because um, you'd think at least the people following you would be listening to it. <laughs> so, um, but the things I notice is um, in the UK, it tends to be everybody assumes you've got rheumatoid arthritis. I don't know why that is, but that's just what I've noticed. And... Um, in the US, people seem to assume everyone's got OA, osteoarthritis, which um, I find quite fascinating. But what I would add to that is that um, it's totally understandable. Like in, you know, in my sort of 20 odd years of arthritis, my title's changed numerous times. It's been JIA and then it's been psoriatic arthritis and then it's been it's currently psoriatic associated juvenile arthritis. Um, and none of these things I was told. It was all stuff I ever found out by asking questions or seeing it change on letters to my GP. So, um, so I think there is a real issue with with labelling, you know. And and this is the information I've always been given is that if you get arthritis as a child, i.e. JIA, it's always JIA. I'll be calling it JIA when I'm seventy, which would be weird. Um, but essentially, if I got my arthritis after I was like eighteen. I would have psoriatic arthritis, essentially. It's one and the same, but the, the time of diagnosis um, and onset changes that. So I think we've we're come a long way in changing that because when I first started telling my story, I was getting prominent people um, that you know, I was looking up to as, as you know, advocates or voices in the community that would message me with things like, oh, Joel, about your RA, and, and that, that, that just shocked me. I don't know, I just wasn't expecting that. Um, so I think we've come a long way in the community. However, I'm not really sure if we've made any progress in terms of helping people understand outside of our own bubble. Um, 
what happened last year was really special with the pandemic and things like Instagram and everything ballooned with people sharing their arthritis stories. However, that is dropping off. I'm getting messages daily now from people saying, oh, I'm heading out here now, um, world's moved on and everything's opened up. And I, and I find that disappointing because, you know, not everyone's you've got their own choices, obviously. Um, but it made me realise that what happened over the last year was just a time filler. It wasn't like a wave of change that I was I was thinking it was at the time. So I think we've done amazing things in the community to educate people. Um, so I think we've made steps in that way. However, I still get messages every single week asking me about my RA, asking me about my OA. Um, or the other one that gets me is the whole, when you grew out of your JIA and it became rheumatoid arthritis. No, it doesn't become rheumatoid arthritis, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, so I think we made some progress there, but I don't think we scratched the surface for people outside of the arthritis community online. So, um, so yeah, that, that's the exciting bit for me, I suppose, is trying to think how we then get people to listen that, that aren't going out of their way to listen but thank you so much for your question i hope um that answer um is useful okay i need to go up path and get ready um to get sprog up and um i'll, I'll check in again soon so it's eight o'clock um on my dog walk you're gonna get a little bit of background noise from the traffic um it breaks up a little bit um so yeah, I'm an hour, a good hour or two um, behind where I'd want to be, um, you know, um, with um, little man being awake last night and everything. Um, and it's these sort of days where it already starts playing on your mind quite early on because I'm already thinking I don't have time for a bath, I don't have time to soak myself, uh, I don't have time to put all my moisturisers on. Um, and then what you end up doing is going from work, oh, walking a dog, sorry, brain isn't working. Walking the dog, quick shower, straight to the desk. And then obviously by the time you get to move again, you haven't even loosened up in the first place. And it's that sort of mental pressure that I think builds, you know, whether you're flaring or not. Um, you know, the fact that you have to get up at five o'clock in the morning if you want to have a good start to the day. Or more importantly, if you want to start the day on a level par with everyone else. Um, and it feels unfair sometimes. Um, so yeah, this is the first of two walks I do in a day, um, both are about two and a half miles each. Um, the I started walking more last year. I think Shield made me appreciate it a lot more. I was stuck indoors for five months and weren't allowed to even walk my dog um, during the height of the pandemic. And one, it made me appreciate fresh air, fields, trees, outdoors a lot more. But also it was scary how quickly my physical state deteriorated. So um, so although I can't run and play rugby and cycle and that at the minute, or perhaps never, um, the one thing I can do is walk, so I try and do that. Um, but yeah, it's normally a lot earlier than this. Um, so I'm already, like I say, you already feel like you've got to walk quicker and you ain't got time to loosen up. And, and the other dilemma I have, I don't know if other people have the same, is like whether I get up and walk first or have a hot bath first, you know. So do I loosen up to have a more comfortable walk or do I have an uncomfortable walk to then be able to soak afterwards? And it, it, it sounds minor, and it is minor, I suppose. Um, 
but it makes up such a big part of my day. And when one of them things go wrong, i.e. this morning probably not having time for the, for the bath, um, you just feel like you're on the back foot from the very start of the day and, and it, it catches up with you later because I won't do as much stretching and getting loose as I would normally. And then by this afternoon, I'll start to ache like hell. Um, but I have very typical sort of arthritis cycle as, as many, so I wake up very stiff and sore. As the day goes on, I loosen up, um, that pain eases. Um, and then fatigue and stiffness start to return again, sort of around um, dinner time, about five o'clock in the evening. Um, so I've always been really typical like that. And I can normally tell what sort of pain levels I'm gonna have based on what sort of stiffness I have when I first wake up. Um, but yeah, like I say, things are okay at the minute. My left foot is killing me. Um, combination of sore bones and, and psoriasis. Um, but yeah, feeling quite tired already and it's only eight o'clock. So um, it's gonna be a fun day. <laughs> um, I'll speak soon. So I hope you can hear me over the noise of the bath and the fans. Um, it's now 20 to 9 um, and I've made the decision I need a bath. Um, this often happens and there's the like, number one reason for me being late for work. Um, you, you walk the dog and you get so sore. The thought of standing in the shower rather than doing all your sort of routine in the bath. Um, yeah, just it feels too painful. So in order to get me through the rest of the day, I feel like I have to do this. So my bath routine is fairly typical of somebody with psoriasis or sciatic arthritis. Um, I, first of all, I probably have it way too hot and I probably lay it way too long, but it helps. Heat has always helped my joints. Um, and essentially I use um, a certain brand over here in the UK that begins with an S and ends in an X um, that is known for being fragrance free and no harsh chemicals and that. I use that sort of somewhere in the bath water um, along with dead sea salt and I tend to mix the dead sea salt with something just to add a little bit of interest to it so you know whether it's like mint or lotus flower sort of based salts as well but dead sea salt works wonders on my skin um, and then I, and not many people seem to know this, you can use your isomol um, sort of paraffin based step moisturisers that you get on prescription for your psoriasis. You can use them as soap substitutes, so on those really sore areas, I don't even use the non-perfume gentle shower gel or anything. I, I literally, I, I use my moisturiser on those areas. Um, you know, it's got paraffin in, it's going to clean and kill things. Um, but it, 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 it really helps um, and it also stops agitating an area that's already like very sore. So um, so yeah, this is normally where I do all of my Instagram posts and Twitter and things like that um, when I'm laying in the bath. <laughs> and um, just yeah, gives you time to think as well. But I'm not ideal today because I'm very, very late. Um, but yeah, what can you do? So, um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's my bath routine. Speak soon. Oh, so um, it's now 10 o'clock, um, bath is done, work has been written off, um, I'm on a phased return anyway and essentially I was off yesterday um, with a chest infection, um, which is why the voice sounds a bit croaky, 
and um and yeah we decided it probably wasn't a good idea for me to try and make time up because today wasn't the day i was supposed to be in but and i got that overwhelming feeling of guilt that we all get when our condition forces us to be off um just especially if you're the type of person like me that just wants to get on and be busy all the time um yeah it's frustrating um but it is what it is um yeah, I've had my bath, thoroughly cooked myself, I've taken my tablets, um, one of the questions I get asked a lot about is medication, um, I can only tell you what I'm on, I can't tell you if it's the best thing or whatever, um, but yeah, I'm on self-salazine, I have been since I was like 12, 13 years old, I'm only on half dose these days because um, it started to melt my liver a little bit, um, but that's when I was on self-salazine and mefotrexate at the same time. Um, and to be fair, after all the years I've been on it, it was no surprise. So it doesn't work as well as it does because I'm only taking it in the morning. Um, whereas before I used to take it morning and night. Um, but that's always been my sort of one constant. It was the first sort of real drug that worked for me when I was a kid. Um, yeah, you can read all about the the liver thing. Um, it's on my website. It's one of the most read articles. Um, I think it's called "When Liver Biopsies Go Wrong" or something. If you just search "liver" on my website, I, I don't imagine it'll bring up much many results. Um, but yeah, and the other other thing about soft sardine, useless facts you didn't think you'd learn on this pod, um, fellas. Um, it was actually stopping us from starting a family. We didn't realise it. I remember hearing about it uh, at some point. Um. But yeah, we've been trying for two or three years and it wasn't until the whole liver issue and self-sizing was stopped for six months that Dylan was created. So, um, yeah, it lowers sperm count and I can tell you that for a fact. <laughs> so, yeah, things you didn't think you'd learn. Um, so, I'm on that. I'm on Lanzoprazole um, for my stomach and I do have a few acid reflux problems. I was recently saw in there's a throat who said my throat is really inflamed and again I'm pretty sure that's just years and years of that you know you take me for Trexate from the age of 13, 14, 20 years later you're probably going to have a few issues um, with your stomach um, so I do take Lanzoprazole. Um, I also take Propranol. Uh, propranol? I've, I've butchered that but um essentially it lowers blood pressure i think and um because i get a lot of migraines again they think that's probably linked some shape or form to my arthritis or the treatment thereof um but that's really helped with headaches so um if any of you guys get frequent headaches speak to your gp about that because it could be like just dropping your blood pressure slightly um reduces those and then obviously i take biologic chimera once every two weeks um that's not due until sunday so yeah Tablets are all done. Um, I'm all up and ready. I'm as loose as I'm going to get. I'm still flaming and sore. But yeah, my biggest challenge at this point of day, which is something that isn't probably talked about enough, is that guilt. You know, I've I've gone through all of that effort, hours of prep, to then only not be able to still work. And you just, yeah. And, um, and I think that's one of the reasons I'm so active and candid online, because I think if I didn't fill my time with something, it would drive me insane. So, um, so yeah, I'll check in again a bit later, but I'm, I'm off to see my son and have some family time now. So it's now 11 o'clock and, um, I wanted to get out of the house today. I think people underestimate the impact the last year or two has had on, on people like myself that went through the whole shield and thing. And then you have to work from home as well. So you can climb the walls a little bit. So, um. Since my, my family are all here, 
um, and I've now not got work, I thought I would um, head into the city for a bit to um, essentially go shopping for the first time since the pandemic started. So that's what, a year and a half ago, more now. Um, and yeah, heading into the city, that's, that's a Norfolk thing. We only have one city in the entire county, so nobody says I'm going to Norwich. It's always um, going to the city. Um, so yeah, I want to push myself a little bit. Um, because yeah, I've been avoiding that and, um, and it'll stop me thinking about how tired I am as well. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll let you know how that goes. So it's half past one now and I'm now back home. Um, I'm really proud of myself for that. Um, I, I, I knew that I was going to see lots of people without wearing masks and things like that. And I think that probably bothered, the thought of that bothered me than the actual, um, you know, getting out there and dealing with it. Um, Dylan was an angel as well, you know, he pretty much zoned out in the push chair most of the time. Um, but yeah, had a look around some music shops, looked at new guitars and, um, got some food and Dylan picked a toy out and then, um, yeah, and then, and then crashed out for his nap. So, um, yeah, no back, um, feet and heels are extremely sore. I think probably a few of you get that, the, um, the heel and the foot pain, it's just like walking on nails some days, it's not fun. I'm feeling quite tired now, but um but all in all, um that's a win. And I don't know about you guys, it's like sometimes it feels like you just have to do something. It can be really small. Um, but I don't do well when I'm not working, I'm stuck at home and you're sort of wallowing in in the the guilt of all of that. So um so sometimes it, you just have to give yourself a little bit of a nudge to go out and do something. And that could just be like, you know, walking around the fields with family or, you know, like this very small shopping trip. And sometimes it can just be, you know, as, as minor as um, all bundling onto the sofa and watching a film. But um, it, it not only helps me switch off thinking about the situation, but it, it definitely um, helps me feel like I've achieved something. I think when I speak to a lot of people with arthritis, and chronic illness in general is that 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 feeling of wanting to add value prove your worth you know go 120 percent for the days that we know we're not going to be able to contribute and and contribute is a word that seems to come up a lot in in conversation i know it's one that i overuse um so yeah it might seem like a small thing to people listening to this but you know, going and doing a small little shopping trip for the first time since probably february 2020 um yeah that that feels like a big tick off the list um and 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 again a lot of this is preparing for sleep later so when um my pain ramps up as the day goes on and i'm laying in bed and i can't sleep i don't want to be thinking that i did nothing with my day i don't want to be thinking that i'm useless and i didn't contribute and blah 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 so um so it sounds like a minor thing but a lot of uh, these actions and what I do with my day when I'm when I'm not working are revolved around giving myself the best chance for tomorrow, essentially. So yeah, I'm gonna grab a cup of tea and put my feet up whilst Dylan sleeps and um I'll check in again with you guys later. Hello. Um it's now half four. I just lost two hours of my day in bed. Um yeah, so I'm playing downstairs with Dylan and fatigue wave hit me like a punch in the face. Um, 
just listen, nothing I can do. And I, I've tried to ride them out before, occasionally the small ones I can. But the, um, the big ones really woke me out. I lose my voice as well and weird things like that when I get them. Um, just everything gets really heavy and you have no energy and just like, literally holding your head up can feel like the most uncomfortable thing in the world. So I, um, I went to lie in the bed and yeah, just passed out pretty much for a couple of hours. And like I say, nobody, nobody sees this side of it. Everyone talks about the pain. You know, if you, if you went on Instagram, you're going to think arthritis is about pain, injections, tablets. Um, it's the things you need to talk about more of the whole her just ruined your plans you know I, I could have been playing my son all afternoon and instead I was stuck up here um, now I feel awful as well because even once I've rode that initial fatigue wave out you get like a hangover afterwards um, which I've now got so rather than walking a dog and doing what I should be doing sort of as part of my routine I've now got to ride this out and this is when I'd normally get a migraine and things like that. And yeah, it's just, I never, I never experienced fatigue waves. Um, I call them fatigue waves, I don't know, it's just what it feels like to me. I never experienced them until I was left in permanent pain. Um, so in 2020, I was told that my sort of arthritis flare had technically subsided. I still get the odd mini ones, but on all scans and everything at the time, I was in remission. Body was left in pain, and, and how it was explained to me is that the flare I was in between twenty nineteen and twenty twenty um lasted so long that the pain pathways that were sort of created in the brain or or whatever just stayed wide open, um, so I still feel pain in all those places that I was flaring two years ago, which is an incredibly difficult thing to wrap your head around, but. I have since, but at the time I sort of didn't really accept it or basically felt like I was being told I was making it up. But I, I realise now that it's a genuine thing. Like, um, I never pushed for a diagnosis. I'd rather use the energy to manage it. But, you know, basically everyone's told me it'd be like CRPS or, or whatever and complex regional pain syndrome. But, yeah, essentially, so the pain I feel in my feet every day, the pain I feel in my neck, back... And, and usually my right knee, although my right knee doesn't hurt today, um, they're all the places I was flaring two years ago, but I feel it every day, a bit like sort of a, an amputee feels a, a lost limb, I suppose. Um, it was a really difficult one, because every single time you sort of report that you're in pain, people say, oh, I hope you'll flare past the soon, and you have to just like try and pick yourself up and remind yourself that you need to stay in this headspace where you're fighting it all the while. Um, and that's why you see me talk a lot about um, pain management and the therapy I've had and how there isn't a magic bullet and nobody's coming to save me because it can sound really harsh and I'd never sort of say that to people unless I felt confident enough that I was on that level with them in terms of relationship to, to be able to say that. But I have to stay in that place because if I didn't, you so quickly go back to that whole life's unfair, I didn't do anything to deserve this, somebody take it away, and 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 it's not going away. Um, and when I was in that mindset last year, 
you know, my answer to trying to deal with that was taking a shit ton of painkillers and, and I wasn't any good to anyone, I was just in bed all day, half drugged and and alcohol as well, I think I've talked about that before, but that was another thing I sort of lent on to try and numb everything, and it just doesn't work long term, it, it, it messes your head up, um, so yeah, I never experienced um, fatigue until I was left in permanent pain, or CLPS, or whatever you want to call it, um, but yeah, once you're in that groove of dealing with it, it's not as bad as it sounds, but it takes a very long while, like months, to, um, get there I suppose um, and that sort of leads me nicely on to um, somebody on Instagram asked how do you deal with the mental health that comes along with arthritis and that's from molly.c.p2 um, or molly um, and, and I think the important thing with that is to say you deal with it in a, in a fluid way um, I can be really you know, I can say a load of preachy things and be really confident and tell you what you should be doing today, but it doesn't mean tomorrow I won't be fallen by exactly those same traps that, that I told you to look out for sort of thing. So um, I think routine helps a lot. Obviously, I've tried to talk about that a lot on this podcast already. Um, routine helps a lot. Um, and having those little techniques to manage it, and that's what pain management taught me, um, you know, so those nights where you're not falling asleep and your mind is starting to go to terrible places, that's when I get up and write, whereas previously I'd keep trying to fall asleep and it'd just get worse. Um, I'm trying to learn to be kinder on myself, walking and things like that help, just to clear my space, headspace, music. Um, so I've returned to playing guitar and trying to find joy in old hobbies again because my condition and, and what I've had to deal with and everything that's happened over the last year of the pandemic has meant that my social life has been decimated. So I try to find, you know, social interaction otherwise, which is why I speak to a lot of you guys on online every day. Um, but I think the important thing with mental health is it, it, it will suffer. There's no, there is absolutely no point in me saying it'll be fine you know, because that, that isn't going to help you prepare for when it isn't. Um, so I would say is learn the signs and start to recognise them because probably for the first year I was relying on other people to say, Joel, you're you're withdrawing or Joel, you're you know you're not taking care as much care of yourself as you were, you know all those sort of signs of depression and and low mood and and that sort of thing, and I think the bit I've I've nailed now is I know when I'm wobbling, I know when things are going awry. It doesn't mean I can always stop step in and stop it and fix it, but I recognise it, and um, and I think once you get to that place, and that's took a lot of work, you know, pain management, honestly, if you haven't inquired to your local authority about pain management, please do, it, it's an absolute godsend, um, and CBT and stuff like that, lots and lots of that stuff has taken me this long to get here, and I still have time off work because I'm depressed, and I still have time off work because sometimes the pain gets too much, and... I still put pressure on my family and relationships because my mental health is suffering because of the pain. The bit I will always say is that I don't have poor mental health. My chronic condition causes me to have poor mental health. I very much see it as a symptom of my arthritis. Um, and you probably notice that a lot of the campaign I do is to try and make sure people see that as one and the same because I think for far too long it's been treated as two separate things. 
and it makes no sense, you know, and and I won't shut up until there's a world where your rheumatologist asks you how your mental health is or you go for your yearly checkup and there's a therapist sitting there as well as there is, you know, for example, when I go sometimes as a rheumatologist and a dermatologist. Um, I think we need that multidisciplinary approach. Um, so there's lots of little things I do, probably way more than I could sit here and list now, and it's, it's what works for you. Um, but I think the important takeaways are on that one, Molly, is um, it happens to all of us. It's not avoidable. Nothing you can do can stop your mental health being impacted by your chronic condition or chronic pain. I think the important bit is, is what, how you re react to it when it does and when it inevitably does. Um, recognising the signs, finding things that get you out of that, that trench, um, stuff that, you know, puts a smile on your face. And there will be times where nothing works. You know, I've had those days where sitting on the Xbox, playing guitar, going out with my family, I've just been numb all the time through all of them because when the depression gets that bad. But now I know why you have to keep going with it until something cracks and I come out the other side. Or what often happens now is I do stuff or do those things a lot earlier on in the process so it doesn't get to that, you know, staring at nothingness and, and just being completely lost in in your own negative thoughts. So um, know where help is as well, you know, because there will be times you need it. Um, there are times where we all carry on and everything and, and work through it ourselves, but know one when them signs are that you need to ask for health and two where to find it because you don't want to be looking for that stuff when you're in the midst of of a crisis you need to um you need to have it to hand so it might feel a bit doom and gloomy but but the same as you would know where your painkillers are when you're going to have a bad flare or you know who to call if when your arthritis cuts out of control treat your mental health like you do your physical health and the sooner everybody starts doing that medicals professionals included um i think living with chronic illness gets that a little bit easier so i hope that's helped a little bit um i'm going to stop this voice note now as you could probably tell my voice as well and truly cracking let's say i'd be interested to know put on the comments to this podcast episode or or drop me a message on social media does anyone else get the voice thing when they get fatigue i find it's like before the wave of tiredness hits the first thing is my voice starts cracking then I get the wave of tiredness, and then when I come out the other side, whether that's lying in bed or, or passing out, like literally passing out, um, it's then like this really dry and croaky for a couple of hours, and then you'll probably hear on later voice notes it goes back to normal. Um, yeah, I'd be really interested to hear if, if anyone else has that. I, I know I do have throat inflammation at the minute, um, reasons unknown, but um, but it feels like it's linked to the fatigue, and yeah, just be interested too opportunity for somebody to help me on this one right i'm going to stop there guys thank you for tolerating the awful voice and um i'll check back again soon oh so it's now seven o'clock i'm back in the nursery where it all started um putting dylan to bed um the dog's been walked i've done my well i've done way over five miles today um, let's have a look. I have walked eight miles today, which not bad for an old crippled up guy with arthritis. Is it? Um, but uh, you know, considering where I started the day, 
for me that's just like a really important thing I have to do. It's not fun. I ache like hell. Um, but I know I benefit tomorrow from it. Um, so yeah, it's been a fairly typical day, thankfully, because I was worried when I started doing this, it'd be boring. Well, <laughs> some of you may disagree. Um, but yeah, so, um, the reason I want to do a sort of check in here is kind of like, it's another opportunity to talk about the sort of the unseen side. So, um, so I walk the dog and everything, but by, by this point in the night, I'm spent, my legs kill me, um, and I feel like I always have to offer to put Dylan to bed because the alternative is standing in the cooker, uh, kitchen and prepping dinner for my wife and I and my feet just on a hard floor. It just, yeah, I have nothing left for that. So I always feel guilty because it means I don't, I used to love cooking and now I, you know, I can do it at weekends when I can maybe do it a bit earlier or pace myself a little bit more. But, um, yeah, so, um, you know, it's one of those things. But, you know, silly little things like, my wife carries Dylan up the stairs, or to be honest, he walks up these days, but, um, you know, I'll get him ready, but she'll have to lift him into my arms in the nursery chair and, and, and stuff like that, which it might not sound a lot, but as a man, you know, what you, what you imagine as a parent, and then the reality of it when you're sort of living with a disability is, um, really different, um, but, um, and I think it's probably one of the reasons why Dylan and I are so close, um, because I spend so much time like this with him. Um, he's staring at me now as I'm recording. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll check in a little bit later. Um, but yeah, at this point of the day, the walking's done, the bath is done, the, the movement, the stretches, the pain management, the medication management, that all that side is done and now it's sort of like R and R for tomorrow in the hope that you wake up the next day in a better place than you started it with, which these days doesn't feel like that happens very often. But I know if I take my foot off the pedal, if I don't do the walk and if I don't do all that prep stuff and all that routine stuff, then I go backwards. Um and Tomorrow is a particularly difficult day for me because um, one day a week my parents have Dylan, but that's a 20 mile drive. So um, it's a case if I drive 20 miles, drop Dylan off, drive 20 miles back, do a day's work, drive 20 miles, drive 20 miles back, and then I'm back here putting him to bed. So um, by the end of the day, you've nearly drove 100 miles. And again, that doesn't sound like a lot, but it properly doubles me up. And also it means that I don't get able to walk as much on those days so my wife will do the dog in the morning to save me a little bit of time um and I really suffer so um if we were doing this podcast this diary if you like in two days time after that day um it would have a very different story as where I'm always at my most limited um, mobility um same as the Saturdays when I when I have Dylan on my own like you know, anyone who follows me on Facebook I do the I joke about the Dylan and Daddy Dan. It is lots of fun, but I I don't half suffer for it the next day. So yeah, the unseen side of arthritis. Um, that you know the fact that I'm however many hours into the day now. Let's say seven o'clock at night. I started talking just after midnight, and I'm still managing. I'm still thinking about pace, and I'm still thinking about what do I do now to benefit the next hour and, and it's exhausting you know the pain is exhausting the condition is exhausting the stiffness in the mornings is exhausting we've already talked about the fatigue but that management of 
every decision you make having a consequence. Just the mundane stuff, you know, whether it's a bath or a shower, whether I put Dylan to bed or cook dinner, whether I walk a dog or don't, whether I, you know, it's just, it's constant. And um, and I don't think people realise that, and they probably never will unless they, um, they live it. But, you know, if somebody's listened to this without that experience, then, then hopefully you've learned something. And for those of you that are listening to this that has that reality, yeah. you're not alone, I suppose, is, is the point I'm making there. I'm going to stop talking now so the little man can go to sleep and um, and speak soon. Well, um, I hope you found all of that interesting. Um, I did do a final entry at midnight that night. Um, but to be honest, by this point, the podcast was getting rather long and it was a lot of waffle and nonsense um, because I'd been awake for over 24 hours. I was on a lot of painkillers. Um, but essentially, it talked about the, um, the final sort of piece of management i suppose in the arthritis daily cycle was was around the painkillers um and how i was at that point where i'd used them all up and i now faced another six seven hours without any unless i cut into the next day and and then off that cycle goes again so um so that was my sort of final entry that you didn't get to hear i i hope this was of value and wasn't too boring um it was an idea somebody suggested to me ages ago, like probably over a year ago, and I just never got around to doing it. So doing it for World Arthritis Day seemed like the, the perfect opportunity. Please do let me know if if it worked for you or it didn't, just so I can shape future podcast episodes. Um, and then the final piece from me is to just um, announce, if you haven't seen it already, that I am now streaming um, my advocacy live on twitch a couple of reasons behind this Um, first of all recently here in the uk there's been a a big debacle over third primary booster vaccinations and confusion between who qualifies who doesn't i found over the course of two weeks i answered over a thousand questions on that um, and a lot of it was the same questions um and a couple of things worried me about that. One, I didn't want to um, give people the wrong information over time or or it gets watered down through sort of fatigue of copying and pasting the same links, etc. And two, I realised I you know, I was there was a lot of doubling up there, and as you can see from the delay from my last podcast, um, I can't fit everything in at the moment. Um, but I'm still really um, keen and committed to keep producing quality content for you guys um, because of all the wonderful feedback you guys give me Um, so the idea was if I do it on Twitch not only does that provide an opportunity for people to come on and ask me live questions and add their insight into the chat function I think that could be really valuable rather than me having to repeat things on Facebook Instagram Twitter via email and on my website Um, I think, yeah, if people have got burning questions, I can post when I'm going to be live. You can drop in, ask those questions, and we can talk about it as a community. Um, and secondly, I can take those videos and chuck them up on the website, chuck them up on YouTube, um, and it's kind of a um, record once, use multiple sort of approach, which should give me some time back in my day. So um, so I hope that's beneficial. Um if you'd like to join me, head over to Twitch. That's twitch.tv forward slash Joel versus arthritis. You can also find the links on my social media link trees under under the label of Twitch there. 
Um, or if you head over to twitch.tv, that's T-W-I-T-C-H dot TV, and search for Joel versus Arthritis, I will come up. Um, I'm still learning the ropes. In time, there will be a schedule. Um, but if you can give me a follow, you'll get an email notification when I'm going live. And I'll do different topics, just like the podcast. So some might be on pain, some might be on disability parenting, some might be on, I don't know, the vaccine and pandemic pandemics and etc etc um but the opportunity is for for you guys to jump in ask questions get involved share your stories and in time i will also be doing the podcasts live on there so again i can produce a video but also use that audio and turn it into the podcast to save me sort of doing things twice um so as always if anybody would like to join me for a live chat that i could then use as a podcast episode please let me know i know there's three or four of you in the way in line for it currently because we've had to reschedule for one thing or another mostly to do with the whole wego awards surprise um but yeah if you'd like to get involved in that please let me know and Give the Twitch channel a follow and drop in chat on there whenever I'm live if you get the opportunity to. It makes a huge difference. Um, and I have to hit a few targets before sort of the real potential of Twitch opens up to me. And one of those is to get to 50 followers. And the other one is to sort of get um, sort of an average of three three viewers at any point um, over the course of my streaming. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're starting out... It is, um, you know, you tend to only get a couple of people come and go. Um, so if anybody can support it and head over there and give it a view, I'd really appreciate it. And I genuinely think it could be a game changer for, for what I do to save me having to sort of try and juggle 101 balls, providing the same information to different people across numerous platforms. It could be a bit of a one-stop shop that I reuse the video to put on Instagram and put on Facebook and put on YouTube. Um, so I'd really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to shut up now because we're getting very close to this episode being an hour long, which is far too long for anyone to tolerate listening to me and me alone. I hope you enjoyed it. I will be back soon. It won't be such a delay this time, I promise. Um, and I hope you're excited by all the developments as much as I am and and, and watch this space. Um, that's all from me. Thank you for, for listening. Mm-hmm.